This episode comes with a trigger warning. We're going to be discussing sexual assault and the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. I am Alex Milleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And this is this has been uh, a very emotionally heavy week. I know we said we were going to talk about the Panthers. Uh, we are not going to do that, not only because uh, it doesn't really feel extremely appropriate to you know talk about their games, especially considering Joel Quenville was uh, coaching two of them. Uh, but also, I don't think either one of us really felt like watching much hockey this week for obvious reasons. Um, on Tuesday, the Jenner and Block report came out, and I had known that this there was an ongoing investigation into the Blackhawks, but it was kind of tossed aside. I found that it was actually happening to begin with. I think it was like a month or two ago because like, oh, yeah, Chicago hires this firm to, uh, you know, to do a, a report. I'm sure it'll be super independent. And as it turns out, it actually was because um, this report, uh, which was 107 pages long, basically confirmed everyone's worst nightmares about what had happened. And on one hand, it was very nice to see, you know, the ugly truth come out and to see a lot of the key actors at least getting some degree of accountability. On the other hand, of course, um, to see that these terrible things have happened and so many people uh, turned a blind eye to it and let Kyle Beach suffer in silence for 11 years is uh, it's really sad to say the least. Yeah, I mean, this is the, uh, when we talk about problematic hockey culture, uh, this this whole uh, this whole you know saga seems to be the uh, culmination of all of that. Uh, when we're talking about you know the old boys club, uh, you know the code of silence that that you know people don't really speak up about this kind of thing. And when people do report as victims, uh, it gets you know quote unquote passed along up the, the chain of command until it it, it kind of disappears into nothing. And you know Kyle Beach he talks about how he felt like he was subhuman, right? He felt like he he wasn't believed. By the organization, and I mean the organization acted accordingly uh, by you know letting Alger stick around after they won the cup, you know having him celebrate with the team, you know lift the cup, day with the cup, all that shit. And so, so yeah, you know it's like it, it really is the when you say nightmare, this is the the kind of you know the, the really the worst possible thing that can happen. The amount of the amount of pain that this causes so many people from Kyle Beach, the people are, you know surrounding him. Uh, and yeah, it's, you know, definitely, you know, it's good on the investigation for being as thorough as it was. Um, obviously there were some problems with, uh, you know, basically outing Kyle Beach before he really, you know, took it upon himself to do it, uh, by providing so many, like, you know, seemingly unnecessary details about personal identification, identifying, uh, details in the investigation. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, I was also uh, not expecting much out of this inves- investigation uh, heading into it when we when it was first announced. First of all, the NHL not spearheading an investigation uh, is really a head scratching move there, especially when you, when it comes to light, the, really the extent of this problem, how deep it runs. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it really is. It exposes honestly. It, it exposes obviously the issues that there were eleven years ago. But I see also some of the reactions that we saw like this week. Uh, I really don't buy a lot of the shit that came out of people's mouths uh, that came out in statements uh, and who, you know, who are, who are implicated in this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely not. There's a lot of, of uh, lies flying around. I think the, the big three we can point to are Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith, because their words, uh, which are, you know, in the vein of, Oh, 
I didn't know much about it when it happened or anything about it when it happened is uh, directly contradicted by Kyle Beach himself and by a couple other players on the Blackhawks at that point, uh, Nick Boynton and Brent Sopel, most notably. And man, I, I want to, before we uh, talk too much about the players, I want to go through this like a little chronologically, maybe starting um, like in 2010, when of course Kyle Beach first uh, reported this to Paul Vincent, I think it was a skating coach with uh, the Blackhawks who Kyle Beach uh, made a point to thank in his interview with Rick Westhead on, uh, on sports center. Um, because, but then because Paul Vincent then reported it to uh, the higher ups with the Blackhawks who, as we know, proceeded to do nothing about it. Kyle Beach reported it to safe sport at some point, not long after to uh, the NHL PA. Um, he also got word from uh, an independent, I believe uh, I don't remember exactly who it was, a, a, a psychologist of some kind who said that uh, he would report it um, to another authority. All of them uh, did nothing. And now even more recently, like under a year ago, or maybe even a couple months ago, when he filed this report with the Blackhawks, uh, they said that the claims uh, were unsubstantiated, essentially calling Kyle Beach a liar. So at the time, and even now, uh, or a couple months ago, uh, just every everything Kyle Beach tried to do to get anyone on his side was just, he was either ignored or downright called a liar. So it's a, it's a good wake-up call, I think, or at least it should be, it should be a good wake-up call for a lot of people. Whenever they hear, I'll just pull out of a hat, uh, this uh, the Evander Kane ongoing uh, sexual assault case. The NHL or the San Jose Sharks, I don't remember which one, calling those reports unsubstantiated. I remember to take that with a uh, a very large grain of salt because uh, we know now that the Sh- the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, Stan Bowman uh, they knew exactly what had happened. They knew that Kyle Beach was telling the truth, and yet they still pretended to uh, to know nothing. Yeah, absolutely. These people, you know, we've seen it. These people will outright lie. Uh, and without a shadow of a doubt, lie, not, not skirting the truth, evading the truth, you know, lies of omission, whatever, will straight up lie to the media, uh, in order to protect their name if something is, you know, not a hundred, a hundred percent confirmed. I mean, we were talking about that, for example, just the players, uh, you know, like it, it, these, these ex players who said that, oh, the whole locker room knew why, what reason do they have to lie? And it's, oh, it's, it's just convenient that the only people who deny the fact that they knew are the ones who are currently on the team. Uh, that's, that's, that's a bit rich for me, but, uh, but not only them, you know, obviously when, when. You know, before the investigation was released, uh, you have these executives that were asked straight up in the press conferences, right? Uh, you know, like Quenville, uh, like, you know, Kevin Cheveldayoff, who was also named in the report. Uh, they were asked straight up, you know, did you know of this? And they said no. Uh, and, you know, we see in the report that that is a complete fabrication, that not only was this just this wasn't just mentioned in passing to these executives. They had a whole ass meeting about this shit. And it's a complete travesty that they all decided in that boardroom. The entire executive team, they came to the conclusion that, you know what, it's more important to, you know, what, to, to keep the, the media coverage pretty positive uh, in light of their Stanley Cup run. Uh, you know, starting with, who, who's the guy uh, at the, who's the president at the time? Was it McDonough? John McDonough. Uh, John McDonough. Yeah, John McDonough, who, you know, he, he has been completely, we've heard nothing from this guy after he, I think he left the team last year. Uh, seems like he, he was the president back then in 2010. Uh, seems like he was spearheading the effort to really kind of keep this quiet. Uh, and yeah, he's got nothing to say for himself. But, you know, the other people in the room who held considerable power, obviously Stan Bowman, uh, you know, Joel Quenville being the head coach, uh, uh, they said nothing. They all and and you know the the Quenville thing kind of pisses me off in particular because not only not only obviously you know staying silent 10, 11, 10, 11 years ago, 
But also, it seems like it's the same kind of shit that he's repeating this time around by by you know going ahead and and coaching that that one game against the Bruins. I mean, it's a, he's he's prioritizing you know winning over you know stepping aside and and you know like addressing the 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 whole Kyle Beach incident. It's literally the same person that's that's being implicated. It's the same incident basically, and he still makes the same mistake over again. He decides to coach the game, and, and you know everybody watching the game understood that no, this guy shouldn't be coaching an NHL game when he's got this hanging over his head, uh, and he clearly was implicated in the cover-up. I mean, it makes no sense. It's, it's, and it's clear that this guy hasn't learned. He has not learned, and I'm not convinced any of them have really kind of learned anything. Um, because who really has shown any sort of remorse or accountability or any sort of emotion when it comes to this? It's all kind of like bland uh, PR statements, and they don't really seem... The only person who seems the most apologetic, which is the most outrageous thing, was Kyle Beach. He's in, in that interview. He was heartbroken. It was, it was fucking painful to watch as he, you know, apologized to the, to the high school student who was, you know, who was then assaulted afterwards by Brad Aldrich because, you know, the Blackhawks gave him a, a great letter of recommendation. He was, he felt, ex- you know, he felt very guilty for that, but he shouldn't have to feel guilty. He's the last person who should feel guilty for that. Um, but it seems that nobody else feels that remorse. Yeah, uh, and it's really funny when you put that apology from Calabrese into perspective because any of the you know the any of the other people who played a role in uh, in covering this up, including the entire front office, all the coaches, all the players, uh, all of them just as easily could have you know come forward after the fact. Because I want to go circle back to uh, that meeting in 2010 during the Blackhawks playoff run. Um, the one quote that really stuck out or the one part of the investigation was that Joel Quenville had uh, shook his head and said um, it was very hard to get to where we are now we can't deal with this right now and that's that's bad enough by itself obviously you know priorities have totally gone to shit when you're thinking like that Uh, that's bad enough as it is if you say let's wait till the playoffs are done and then say we'll fire Brad Aldrich and we'll make sure Kyle Beach gets the attention that he needs. That 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 would be bad enough by itself to to wait to wait on something like that. Instead, what they do when the playoffs are done, uh, they let Brad Aldrich go quietly, and basically blacklist Kyle Beach. Um, Kyle, and it's it's because a lot of people were, were pointing out. Remember, Kyle Beach was a really high draft pick. He was a player with a lot of promise, and at this point. The, you know, he's, he's only 20 years old, so the Blackhawks are presumably looking at this like this player, you know, might be a key part of our future. Uh, and even then, they still go on to basically, you know, blacklist him. There the um there was like an assistant coach of the Blackhawks AHL team at the time who just offhand in a scouting report the next season was like, oh, I think the incident with Brad Aldrich is weighing heavily on his performance this year. And then there were a bunch of articles run that were, you know, uh, almost undoubtedly, uh, kind of you know, fueled by the Blackhawks themselves, saying things like "Is Kyle Beach the the biggest bust in, in franchise history?" Things like that. After the fact, the Blackhawks did absolutely nothing to reach out uh, and help him. And I'm sitting here, or I was sitting here, and I guess I still am sitting here, thinking, what is the motivation for the Blackhawks to do that? Because I think what a lot of people are talking about, and rightfully so, is hockey culture. Another really important aspect to these types of things is corporate culture. And now whenever some kind of scandal comes up like this, the reason that so many organizations, pretty much all of them, try to cover it up is to save face, protect the capital, protect the power. And I'm just at a loss for how not doing anything to help Kyle Beach 
even uh, even goes towards that goal, and that's a corrupt goal to begin with. How, how what are you even accomplishing? And I think the only conclusion that makes sense is that the individuals, such as John McDonough, Stan Bowman, Al McIsaac, Joel Quenville, uh, just truly didn't give a shit about Kyle Beach. They were like, I can't be bothered helping them out. I can't be bothered understanding the trauma that he went through. Uh, it's easier for me. It's more of a convenience for me to just silence him because they they're just just so devoid of empathy. It's really it's really stunning to me. It's yeah. like there's there's no goal you could have possibly been trying to accomplish by suppressing him besides just not wanting an extra headache for yourself. Yeah, I know it, it's an absolutely selfish motivation, but it's clear that that's that's what was driving them. You know, um, I'm sure you know I'm sure there's also a desire to protect the bottom line. I, I'm you know in, in terms of you know, you don't get this negative press coverage about you. Um, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of these people, what they were driven by is, you know, what's comfortable, what's easy for them. And with no, absolutely no consideration for the horrific event that happened to Kyle Beach. Uh, yeah, they just didn't want to go through the headache. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to answer the questions. Uh, and they went ahead and, you know, what about their business completely pushed out of their minds for 10, 11 years? And what about their business as if nothing, as if nothing happened? Uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely cowardly. I mean, that's what we come to see from these people. Uh, they they take no accountability whatsoever. Uh, and I mean, you're right. There's there's no real personal gain that they they have by keeping this quiet, aside from you know the the you know the quote unquote headache that comes with dealing with you know a situation of such magnitude. Uh, and yeah, there there was there was they, they gained nothing by protecting Brad Aldrich other than other than this. It's it's completely selfish, uh, and it's it's mind boggling to conceptualize that all these individuals. You know, they really went with a hive mind. But then again, these are all individual decisions to decide to actively, to actively not do anything, to hold a meeting. Like this is, this as I said, they, they fucking held a meeting and they decided uh, that this was not worth the effort. Um, and that's, that's fucking crazy. It seems like the uh, most of the organization knew and they're like, you know, well, nobody decided to speak up really. Uh, or, or, or very few number of people did and they were not listened to. Uh, and... Yeah, it's 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 you can see that it's completely fucking rotten, top to bottom. Uh, yeah, from 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 the executives down to the players, it's it's uh, yeah, it's mind-boggling as to how this was not this was not brought up and addressed properly all the way back in 2010. Um, because yeah, you I can't imagine hearing of such a fucking horrific event and deciding to you know okay, it's not worth the it's not worth the attention right now. We're 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 in the cup final. Fuck it, this is you know it's let's just let's just ignore Kyle Beach. That's it's completely unacceptable, obviously, but it, it, it's it's even hard to conceptualize at this point. It's like, what the fuck are you thinking? I think the most ass backwards part of that initial reaction is that it seems like in the words that were shared in the in the investigation and the actions that came afterward, that the Blackhawks thought Kyle Beach was the one giving them a headache and not Brad Aldrich. Uh, they, they, their first thought was, oh man, Kyle Beach, why do you have to go, you know, uh, make such a fuss about this? When really, Brad Aldrich is very obviously the one causing the problem, and that's putting it extremely lightly. And I think now is probably a good time to dig into the players, and specifically Jonathan Taves, um, because man, this guy showed his entire ass this week uh, as being just a total shitbag. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, his entire career, basically, he's been paraded around as being like the greatest leader in the entire game of hockey. And a lot of people took that as gospel for, for a while. You know, he's the captain of those Chicago Stanley Cup teams. Um, at the same time, though, 
we've acknowledged we acknowledge time and time again how corrupt corrupt hockey culture is, and if this corrupt hockey culture is the one claiming that Jonathan Taves is uh, what we should all be striving to be as hockey players, then uh, it kind of of tracks that he's the kind of guy who would say things like, "Oh yeah, we didn't really notice it. We were all uh, you know too focused on hockey." To be honest, at time because obviously you know what what the what hockey wants to foster is these hockey playing robots who don't think about anything besides uh, winning. And guess what? It looks like Jonathan Taves is one, which means he's you know totally devoid of empathy. And uh, Nico Hischier actually is uh, an example apparently of uh, a great captain because he has made it very clear to his players that he wants them to be comfortable talking to him about things other than hockey. So say Jonathan Taves is telling the truth, which by the way, he isn't. Say he is telling the truth that he didn't know. What does that say about him as a captain that uh, that Kyle Beach didn't feel comfortable approaching him about this, uh, broaching this subject, subject with him? Same goes for Duncan Keith and Patrick Kane. Obviously, those are pretty much like the three most important players in that Chicago dressing room at the time. Um, and all these years later, obviously, you know, three of them are like, oh yeah, I didn't know. Oh, I barely knew. Oh, I might have heard a thing or two. Um and Jonathan Taves, and there, there are some people staying, saying this week, oh, he was only 22. What do you know? Well, you know, maybe you'd have a shitty point if he weren't 33 years old now, basically defending his actions, uh, saying things like, oh, yeah, it's an, un- an unfortunate situation. If we went back, do we wish we could have handled it different? Probably. Probably, you know, as, as, like he didn't even, he couldn't even commit to definitely wishing that he could have done something different 11 years ago. How fucked up is that? Yeah, no. And, and the worst part of it, in this, the same statement, he's like complimenting, uh, it was a Stan, Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac in the same breath. Uh, what do you say? They're not directly complicit in the activities that happen. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, they're, they're absolutely, they had to hold the whole fucking meeting. That, that's the, that's the definition of directly complicit in the cover up. Uh, and then, you know, he talked about, oh, yeah, he has a lot of respect for these, them as people. You know, they're good people. I don't know what he's going about d- defending these kind of people, but he, defending those two in particular. Um, but it shows that, yeah, he has no sort of awareness of the situation whatsoever. He's, uh, yeah, he's, and he doesn't really, really care. He's, it seems like he spent more time talking about Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac than he did about Kyle Beach. Or, or you know, how he wished he had done something differently back then. Um, but yeah, he, and, and yeah, you, to use the word probably like that implies that you probably wouldn't do anything if you were to, if this were to happen again, who knows if you were to do something different, uh, if you were put in the same situation, I certainly have no faith in Jonathan Tate, nor any, nor, uh, you know, Duncan Keith or Patrick Kane. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, he's really telling on himself here. He is, his priorities are all fucking out of whack and it, it, it's just, it seems like he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's very problematic. This kind of fucking mindset. He still clearly doesn't put the you know the people at the heart of this uh, at the front of his priorities, and he's still you know kind of defending himself. He's he's protecting his own self interest. He's protecting his relationships that he's built. Mm-hmm. And then there was also Dave Tippett, who you know Oilers head coach has nothing to do with the Blackhawks. No, you know, no dog in the fight even there like Taze. And he basically was like, oh yeah, you really got to feel for Stan Bowman, like. Who? What, what are you talking about? You got to feel for Stan Bowman. He's the last person you have to feel for in this situation. And uh, I mean, people were you know praising Alex DeBrinket because you know he was 12 years old at the time. But out of all the Chicago Blackhawks who commented, he had the most insightful thing to say, which is basically like, yeah, it's a good thing that uh, Stan's gone. Probably had to be done, and uh, we need to learn from this as an organization. Make sure it never happened again. And he was you know getting accolades 
for a comment that should be the bare minimum, as was, you know, guys like guys around the league, Taylor Hall, Anders Lee, making those, you know, sensible comments and, you know, being called great guys. Uh, it's on one hand, I, nice that a couple guys are saying that, but a little bit upsetting that we don't necessarily, uh, that we don't necessarily expect it. Yeah, why is the bar so fucking low? I mean, these aren't these aren't particularly insightful comments either. Oh, Stan Bowman deserved to be fired. No shit. Well, you know, good good on it takes balls to say that out loud, especially in that locker room culture and that organizational culture. So good on Alex Brinkett for that. Um, but yeah, for for hockey culture as, as a whole, it's clear that the bar is like below the floor. I mean, we're talking about you know basic facts here, uh, and meanwhile, it seems like a lot of people are dealing in. Uh, praising Stan Bowman for some reason. And yeah, it, it's clear that, you know, these people are all, you know, like set, trying to set themselves up for the future. You know, they're trying to angle themselves for, you know, a good, you know, an opportunity down the road. You know, I stuck out my neck for him or whatever it is in the media, you know. Uh, that's what they, it seems like what all these guys are doing. You know, it's not like they're they're trying to, you know, speak uh, on to, uh, you know, as good people at all. They're just kind of trying to, you know, maybe get themselves the next good job opportunity or have a buddy-buddy relationship with Stan fucking Bowman. Uh, it's it's completely, it, it's, yeah, they're all fucking morally bankrupt. How can you come out and say this shit, Dave Tippett? Yeah, what the hell do you have to do with this? Um, but to, to go ahead and say, you know, why are you feeling for Stan Bowman? Yeah, it's the last fucking person. It makes no fucking sense. Um, you should, you know, feel for Kyle Beach. Feel for his family. Feel for all the people. Feel, feel for the 16-year-old who was sexually assaulted by... By Brad Aldrich because of a job recommendation he got from the Chicago Blackhawks, among other things. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to grasp how just how just how devoid of you know any sort of good sense that these people have. Because uh, yeah, well, what kind of fucking comment is that? That's outrageous. Yeah, um, you might. It was also being pointed out uh, the Patrick Kane sexual assaults allegations from 2016. Um, some Jonathan Taves comments at the time were something in the vein of you got to, you know, stick by your teammates when they're going through a rough time. So that should give you a little bit of insight into a little extra insight into how he uh, perceives these, these things. Not only that, but Patrick Kane actually called Stan Bowman a good man. Who's done a lot of things for me personally. And a lot of people were wondering what good things Stan Bowman could have done for Patrick Kane personally, maybe back in 2016 when uh, Patrick Kane was, you know, going through uh those court trials and ended up i don't remember the exact details of it but he got off quite easy yeah right so uh i mean that's all you have to say well why is patrick kane talking about the the good things that stan bowman has done but that's that's the least relevant thing that we could be talking about who the hell cares about first of all about what stan bowman has done for you personally patrick kane uh, I'm sure that's that's a very glowing endorsement of Stan Bowman. Thank you. I, I see him in a completely different light. Uh, but but also yeah, that is uh you know it's clear that this it's it's rotten, you know, and, and it's the the lock there needs there's a lot to be that needs to be changed. In particular with this organization, I mean we we're, we're talking about you know that logo, uh, that name, uh, which is already problematic to begin with. The foundation of the team, you know, as a whole, that's all fucked up. But then you know the the people that that populate it. Uh, that work for the, the the heads of the franchise, the faces of the franchise. Uh, yeah, it's just like it's like, it's like fucked up thing after fucked up thing, you know. And then you know, go ahead and trade for for a guy like Seth Jones, who not only you know who's a bad person from what we've seen. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's and this they're obviously not the only team um, to to have bad actors like this. Uh, but it seems that you know 
This is uh, this is uh, a particularly fucked up one, but it's but you know then again you have members of the organization who have gone off to other organizations, you know, like Kevin Shoveldayoff, you know, he's the general manager of the Jets. So you know this is it really is hockey culture at its worth here when we're talking about uh, just having you know not not taking a stand for anything ever for fear of you know reprisal for yourself. Yeah, that's another really, really important point in all this is like, if not for the bravery and persistence of Kyle Beach and Rick Westhead and Katie Strang, this story would have almost definitely stayed in the dark forever. And it really makes you question how many other stories like this have stayed in the dark forever and will stay in the dark forever on other teams around the NHL, other teams in professional sports around the world, other, you know, corporations around the world. This type of thing probably happens all the time. And as we've, as we see in like, you know, the 2010, 2011 era of this story on how quickly Kyle Beach's attempts for justice were just shot down and ignored without a second thought. And as if that was the default setting, it makes you wonder where else in the world and how many places is that the same default setting and how many of these stories are just left to die. It's really disturbing. It's terrifying. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. Shout out to, to you know the journalists who try who went out and covered this, uh, you know from Westhead to Strang. But you know another point of this is the media. You know, like a lot of these these insiders who supposedly had these great and great connections, great access to the teams. You know, the they, they've got all the secrets. Uh, it seems like they were awfully fucking quiet about this whole thing. Uh, and you know what I mean, like uh, the guys who news break about the trades and all that. I mean, what, you're telling me that not, you got nothing out of this? Nobody talked about anything uh, with your standing? Uh, I start to suspect that there may have been some, you know, prioritization of the, 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 the connections yet again in, with, with some of these journalists. Uh, and, you know, if, absolutely. If it, wasn't, if it wasn't for Westhead, if it wasn't for Strength, if it wasn't for these great investigative journalists who really, you know, are unafraid to dig into the dirty areas to burn some bridges for the name of good reporting, for the name of justice for, for victims like Kyle Beach. Uh, yeah, who knows where the hell it would be at. And, you know, Kyle Beach probably doesn't have that vindication that he has right now. Uh, and he's probably, you know, because he was led to believe, uh, he mentioned in the interview, he didn't, you know, he was led to believe by the Blackhawks that, you know, he was in the wrong, that it didn't really happen. You know, he's being crazy about it. Um, and, you know, if you don't get this kind of vindication, uh, it'll eat you alive. And and it's eaten Kyle it's eaten Kyle Beach alive for for the last ten years, right? So, um, yeah, it, it it seems that in terms of the the reporting around this league too, maybe it's a bit it's big it's a bit becoming a, a bit too chummy chummy, especially with the you know like the the big name insiders kind of thing. You wonder where they were in the midst of all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think at least from the reporting side of things, um, the fact that Rick West had because this. He's really made a name for himself now. He's probably going to like win awards for the amazing work he did on this case. I am hopeful that more are going to follow in his footsteps. If a story like this comes up again, people may be more eager to uh, to dig into it. Because as you said, and as Kyle Beach even said in his interview, uh, he said when you know the insiders with the largest following wouldn't touch the story, Rick West said, uh, was the one doing the most and grinding away at it. And guys like Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman didn't say anything about it until the the um the report came out 
almost a week ago, and it was safe to do so because, you know, Stan Bowman and company had been fired or been uh, proven guilty in some other cases. Uh, and, you know, people were getting on them, rightly so. I think even Pierre Lebrun wrote an article that was like, uh, I started to, I'm starting to wonder whether I maybe should have discussed this earlier. It's like, yeah, you think, Pierre, maybe you probably should have discussed this earlier. I uh, probably, you know, would have gotten going a lot faster um, because, you know, one of you, you're one of the most well-known hockey insiders. And uh, it's been pointed out, you know, who actually still hasn't said a thing about it is is Bob McKenzie, which is really upsetting. People uh, have their eyes on him. I know he is semi-retired, but he still comes out of the woodwork every once in a while to, to tweet about a trade or a free agent signing or something. So that's quite telling, I would say, that Bob McKenzie, who's known for having uh, probably uh, more connections than anyone else, has even to this moment stayed totally silent about this. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it just leaves you to wonder what the hell is this guy doing. Uh, well, you know what he's doing. He's there's there's a reason why he's staying silent. This is not some sort of accident because uh, yeah, if he, if he comes out of the woodwork to talk about some trade, an event of this magnitude, uh, he can certainly do the same for that. Uh, but it's clear that he's taking the choice not to. Uh, so you know, shame on him for that. Uh, and hopefully, you know, these insiders, uh, they can, you know, they don't they don't you know prioritize their connections first in the future. Uh, and actually do some hard-hitting, you know, breaking news kind of thing that isn't just like, oh, there's a trade out there or, oh, a new signing. Anyways, I want to move to the uh, the league's reaction to all this. So uh, obviously, you know, Quenville had that meeting with Bettman uh, and then afterwards he he was uh, he resigned. Uh, seems that Kevin Dayoff also had that meeting, uh, gets off scot-free. So you got to wonder what's going on there. Uh, and uh, what was the punishment in the end? that they imposed on the Blackhawks. Oh, yeah, a $2 million fine, which uh, in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about the magnitude of money we're talking about in this organization, is uh, nothing. Uh, for 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 an organizational failure to, and to that involved the number of people that it did, all implicated in the Blackhawks organization that continue to cover up, that continue to deny these allegations, and that still continue to fight uh, Kyle Beach's lawsuit in court to this day. Uh, the league seems to not want to punish his team whatsoever. Are we surprised? Not really, but I still think it deserves to be talked about how, uh, you know, they thought $2 million was enough and, uh, thought that was an appropriate punishment. That was basically it. That was basically it. That's all that they called it a day. Uh, it seems like there's nothing else forthcoming from the league for, uh, in terms of, you know, punishment for the Blackhawks. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you, it, the league fails once again in properly disciplining its, its, uh, you know, its players, its organizations, uh, for, uh, you know, a crime and a cover-up of this magnitude. It, it's a real fucking cover-up. And they went ahead and said, yeah, it's worth a million dollars. I think some people are maybe looking at the fine from, from the wrong angle. I agree, of course, $2 million is incredibly small, um, relatively speaking, obviously. It's way too small of a fine. But I think no matter how big the fine was, I don't think it would be inappropriate punishment if the money just goes back into the league which is what all these fines do the money just goes right back into the league and basically we're just uh the blackhawks are basically just making a donation to fund the national hockey league uh which you know how's that going to help out the problem um i don't know if it's like legally possible to for the nhl to say hey we're finding you i don't know five million dollars and the money goes directly to kyle beach or goes to these charities or something, which by the way, the Blackhawks shouldn't have to, you know, uh, get punished in order for that to happen. Like if they want to show that they've learned a single thing at all 
they should be, you know, donating to uh, sexual assault prevention campaigns and charities, helping Kyle Beach out with, uh, you know, any finance, financials or, you know, uh, therapy sessions, whatever he needs. That should be coming straight out of the Chicago Blackhawks pocket. But also there's, as I kind of mentioned, there's really no amount of money that uh, would hurt the Blackhawks at all um, because, you know, they're just so valuable as a corporation and they're going to continue getting more and more money every season. Um, I think it probably would have made more sense to target draft picks. And I know that kind of does come off as insensitive for some people to say, oh yeah, this guy's, you know, his career and life was uh, basically ruined and you're going to take away draft picks. It seems kind of shallow, but I mean, it's not more shallow than just, you know, taking away $2 million that you're probably going to get back in a week and a half. Um, And, you know, targeting high draft picks, uh, that really does hurt the long-term long-term plans of the Chicago Blackhawks as a hockey team and as a brand. So I think really on all accounts, this, um, this punishment was a total failure. I think the fact that Chicago has not really gone out of their way to do anything meaningful to help besides say, Oh, I guess we're kind of sorry, I guess uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the apology and the the lack of action, that it seems to apply for to everybody, all the parties, uh, they all just kind of, you know, seem to want to weather the PR storm, put out these statements. Oh, you know, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have known. I wish somebody would have told me, uh, but nobody seems to act or, or do anything to a support Kyle beach or, you know, kind of try to prevent this, make any sort of concrete action to prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future in any capacity. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the, the, the Blackhawks or, or are, are alone in not doing nearly enough or not doing anything, really. Uh, it seems that everybody just wants to kind of, uh, you know, go into a little bunker and hide until uh, nobody's kind of talking about it. It seems honestly like the league wants to do that, isn't it? It seems like they're just trying to make this thing disappear. You know, all right, here's a $2 million fine. Uh, okay, uh, jo- you know, Joe Quenville, you go take a break for a while so we don't have to see your face, so we don't have to, we're not reminded of this incident. Uh, okay, all right, play. you know, you know, you, you meet with Kyle Beach, try to appease him as much as possible, uh, and, you know, you don't fire Kevin Chauvel day off. All right, we're good here. I mean, what, what are they going to do to prevent this kind of thing from, like, how am I supposed to believe that this kind of thing, if it were to happen again, that people will do the right thing? They haven't done anything to convince me of that at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's complete inaction. They, there's, it seems that nothing has changed other than, you know, a few people have, have left, but it seems, seems like the culture's attacked. Nobody seems to be really feeling any sort of remorse. Yeah. And you say people have left, they left Chicago, but in a lot of instances, you know, they're flitting around the league elsewhere, uh, which, and the, the NHL is trying to depict this as an isolated incident, which it absolutely isn't when you have all these people playing a role in this cover-up. Uh, players, management, coaches, who are now, you know, all spread around the league on other teams. Uh, Gwenville was in Florida. Shovel Dioffs in Winnipeg. Duncan Keith is on the Oilers. Uh, Mark Bergevin, who we haven't mentioned yet and wasn't actually mentioned in the report, but I find it extremely difficult to believe he didn't know about this uh, because, as it was pointed out, either he uh, did know and was part of the cover-up or he didn't know and was therefore uh, doing an extremely terrible job as director of player personnel uh, and Kyle Beach, by the way, of course, falls under player personnel. So you'd think Mark Bergevin should have had his finger on the pulse of, of that during the Blackhawks playoff run. So you got, you know, all these people all around the league who didn't give a shit about Kyle Beach and still appear not to. Not to mention um, 
the the Bill Guerin thing that's ongoing now. Uh, basically, for anyone who I don't think we've actually d- discussed it yet, but for anyone who doesn't know the details of that story, basically, when Bill Guerin was assistant GM of the Penguins and GM of the AHL affiliate Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, the uh, Wilkes-Barre assistant coach was out for dinner with his wife and also the head coach of the team. I do not remember their names. Basically, the head coach sexually assaulted the assistant coach's wife uh, two times that night. And it was reported to Bill Guerin, who basically said, let's keep quiet about this. And then I believe COVID hit not long after. And then uh, both coaches were kind of let go. Uh, And I find it pretty hard to believe Jim Rutherford wouldn't have known about that, considering, you know, as we know, you know, they were working very close together. And as we now know, news spreads fast. Maybe they even had a meeting about it. And now Bill Guerin is GM of the Wild. There's an investigation going on. He hasn't been, you know, suspended or anything. In fact, the rumor is that uh, he's one of the candidates to step into the uh, USA Olympic GM job now that it won't be Stan Bowman anymore. and Jim Rutherford was brought up by Darren Dreger as a possibility to repri- to replace Stan Bowman as GM in Chicago. Uh, and I think that that really goes to show the fact that this is absolutely not an isolated incident. Uh, this fine is practically meaningless. And the NHL is pretty much just interested on uh, in moving on from the PR nightmare as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we haven't heard anybody talk about the whole Garen situation, really. Uh, there's been whispers here and there, but it was very, very easy to miss. I mean, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, so we don't know exactly what's going on here. Uh, it seems that, you know, if he isn't or criminally guilty or whatever it is, uh, that he knew in some capacity and because, uh, I mean, we have that lawsuit, uh, what was his name? Was it Jared Scald? Uh, was the name of the uh, the guy who's suing, who's uh, whose wife was uh, sexually uh, yeah, Aaron Scaldi, assaulted? Yeah, Aaron Scaldi, was uh, was yeah, his Aaron's, wife, Aaron Scaldi. Right, right, Aaron Scaldi. Uh, so, you know, yeah, just like shitbag after shitbag. I mean, if, if, Garen, like, how how fucked up would that be? Uh, I think that's the expectation about what's going to happen too with the U.S. general manager. You know, Bowman steps down, and then they name another another guy who potentially, allegedly, may have covered up uh, a sexual assault. So, you know, that's that's a bit tasteless. Uh, it's not a bit tasteless; it's quite tasteless to to, to have that. It kind shows of line they really don't understand and really don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. They're they're all just yeah, they're all just kind of you know just digging their head in the sand. Pretending this is not happening. Uh, no no uh, consideration for the context whatsoever. And it's just like, you know, get on with your day is the kind of attitude that they're going about. Uh, and yeah, nobody seems to want to address the thing. Nobody seems to want to actually talk about the, the implications of their actions. Uh, they're just kind of, yeah, nobody gives a shit. And that's what's so problematic about it. Nobody speaks up. Uh, nobody does anything. With uh, With an episode like this, it can, it feels kind of natural to try and put some sort of like uh conclusion onto it in the sense that like and here's how things could potentially improve moving forward uh but you know uh I've, i'm having a hard time doing that putting you know any kind of bow on this because it's it, it upsets me to say i don't see a way that there are any meaningful improvements to to the situation within hockey culture, within corporate culture, and within, you know, the default cover-up culture. Um, and I don't know if you perhaps have anything more valuable or perhaps more hopeful to add on that topic, but 
I certainly am not in that set of feelings. No, absolutely not. I think I don't, you know, I don't th- really think there's a silver lining in this other than, you know, maybe uh, Kyle Beach feels vindicated now, now that we all recognize what he went through. But it doesn't seem like the, you know, the people in the league really recognize what he went through, which is what's so problematic, right? Uh, and yeah, I've, like you, I have no faith that this that things are going to change, that it, given a, a similar situation, that uh, things are going to happen differently. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the, what happened is obviously it, it is extremely shot. It, it's awful. But the reaction that we've seen is, 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 is also extremely depressing. Uh, it's just, you know, these people standing around uh, and not really taking accountability. And I can't imagine that this this group of people, uh, any group of people really in the NHL with, with any sort of power uh, would step up and do the right thing sometime in the future. I really, you know, I, I hope, you know, obviously that things would change. But I think to believe that it would be to be convinced in what in, in any way would be naive because of what we've seen from the reactions of these people. Nobody seems to really want to change. Um, and, and that's what's so painful. And I can't imagine how painful it is if, you know, Kyle Beach comes to the same conclusion about this league uh, and the people who, who helped cover up what was done to him. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's really quite sad and disturbing. Um, I think this is probably a good place to wrap. It's a pretty short episode, but... Uh, a heavy one, as I'm sure you can tell. And uh, I know you're probably, as a listener, probably been, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably been listening to other ones as well, reading stories, watching videos about this. And you're probably as worn out emotionally from it as we are. But I think we we both felt the need to, to say our piece about it. Um, next week, we will return. We're going to get back to our regu- regularly scheduled events and fanfare um but uh in the meantime thank you for listening to this week's episode of fusion and hockey podcast uh you can follow the podcast on instagram fusion and hockey podcast you can follow us on twitter as well thank you very much for tuning in